time to express yourself. Where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. We must send a message across the world that there is no shame in being a survivor of sexual violence. The shame is on the aggressor. Angelina Jolie. Hello and welcome back to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice. Right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. For today's show, Be The Star You Are wants to thank everyone who has volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We are thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit with a donation, please visit www.btsya.org. Every dollar counts, and we will use the funds for our outreach programs. Make sure to listen to Express Yourself wherever you listen to radio or music. iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and more. We broadcast from the Voice Empowerment Channel on Voice America Radio, the largest radio network in the world. I'm Rouhani, and today we have an extremely important show planned about misogyny and sexual harassment. In segment two, we'll be speaking with a life coach, radio host, and inspirational speaker, Dr. Draywan James, about leaning into conflicts rather than avoiding them. In segment three, our new reporter, Rose Sarner, will speak on her segment, Bite Share, about empowering women. And right now, I'll be talking about abuses of power and victim blaming. So this week's topic is pretty heavy, but it is so necessary and so important. Sexual misconduct is so ingrained in our society that many people, mainly women, feel unsafe in workplaces, doctor's offices, and even places of worship, as seen with the ongoing Catholic Church scandal. There's so many abuses of power we don't even know about because they're swept under the rug. And when they are brought to the public, more often than not, society scrutinizes the victims. For example, a case brought into the public was about previous USA Girls gymnastics coach, Larry Nassar. Nassar abused more than 160 young women in the span of two decades, and he carried out his abuse under under the disguise of medical treatment. And how did he get away with it for so long? Because he had power. He was considered an elite doctor who received countless awards from the gymnastics board. He had colleagues in the board who, all the way up to 2014, simply advised him not to do medical procedures that required skin-to-skin contact, even as victims were coming out with their stories. Unfortunately, so many people in positions of power are able to abuse their privileges, and it is so important to support the courageous people who come out with their story. And when they do, they need to be met with support and empathy instead of abrupt interrogation. There is undeniably a rape culture prevalent throughout society. Asking a survivor what they did to cause the situation is so wrong because it is never the survivor's fault. It doesn't matter what they wore or what they said or how they said it. Sexual misconduct 
and harassment is always at the fault of the perpetrator. It is also important to hold these figures accountable to the highest degree. The gymnastics board, despite receiving complaints, allowed Nassar to continue his malpractice. And we need to have a society where survivors are taken seriously. And it's incredible how the girls of the team spoke out, and it requires so much bravery. That bravery should never be ridiculed or questioned. Society only needs to give support. Unfortunately, we're out of time for this segment. During the break, check out our website, www.bethestarur.org. Keep listening for more as Dr. Drayvon James and I will have a conversation in the next segment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Hello, and welcome back to Express Yourself. Right now, me and Rose are going to be talking about misogyny and sexual harassment with Dr. Drayvon James, a transformation specialist, inspirational speaker, radio host, life coach, and an author of Freedom is Your Birthright. She's the founder of the Next Step Leadership Academy and Everyday Peace, a platform for her to help and inspire others to build a life of their dreams. She also hosts her own weekly show, Dr. Drayvon James, Everyday Peace on Unity Radio. Hi, Dr. James. We're so happy to have you on here. Hello, ladies. I'm excited to be here with you. Hi, um, Rose here. And our first question for you today is how would you define sexual harassment? I would define sexual harassment. And that's a heavy question, but I mean, it's very, very serious. That is any type of unwanted sexual advancements. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to be physical. It could be with words or suggestions. Um, so any type of unwanted sexual advancements towards another person doesn't even have to be, a, you know, we automatically in our minds, right, we think sexual harassment, uh, a man doing something to a woman. But as you, as I said, it doesn't have to be physical. It could be uh, suggestions, words, creating an environment where someone feels un, um, uncomfortable. And women are as equally capable of that, unfortunately. So it could be either way. Right. And like you were saying that it doesn't just have to be a physical act. It can also be like suggestions and unwanted gestures. And I know, unfortunately, it can occur a lot within youth because I feel like the establishment of boundaries is still kind of being created when we're younger. So 
What would you recommend to a teen if they're being sexually harassed? Number one thing is make firm boundaries. Absolutely. But I think you, you bring up a very important point is that we are dealing with teenagers and sometimes in, in the act of trying to find ourselves, right? we act outside of ourselves. So the offender also could be very uncomfortable and a bit awkward. So it's important to be clear that this is inappropriate, that you find it offensive. And then it's also important to level this conversation up so that you're letting someone, you know, a, a guardian or an authority figure know that this is going on so that it can be taken seriously. Because, you know, sometimes, and especially dealing with this particular age category, everyone's trying to test the water. They're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And unfortunately, there's a lot of inappropriateness in the media. And people are not only teens, but everybody, but especially teens sort of duplicate what they see in the media until they realize that, hey, no, this is not right. So making sure that you have strong, healthy boundaries, absolutely. Making sure that you express those strong, healthy boundaries uh, clearly, and then making sure that you involve an authority figure, such as a parent or any other authority figure, so that um, that oversight is there and that correction can be made. I think that's a really important point you just brought up about how um, even though these conversations can be difficult to have, they're really valuable and important when dealing with such a heavy topic like sexual harassment. And my question to you is like, even though you said these conversations can be extremely difficult and it's difficult to lean into this uncertainty here, how would you approach someone who has experienced sexual harassment? And how would you, even if it's a friend of mine or a friend of somebody in the audience, how would you suggest that we start these conversations and make sure make sure they feel safe and supported in a, in this community. Yeah, that, that's a great conversation, a great question to ask because a lot of times we harbor this stuff inside of us and we carry it around for years and years and years. It's like a snowball going downhill. It starts gathering speed and gathering more, you know, uh, harmful behavior. So being able to be in a safe environment where you're able to express yourself is so important. And I think that the number one way to, I'm about transparency, let me say that in, in, in this process of call, you know, keep it simple, right? Um, coming out and saying the words, hey, I'm here for you um, without without any judgment. Without, because sometimes there is a tendency, a lot of times for the victim of things like this to feel guilty as though there's something about them that has caused someone to disrespect them in this way or treat them in this way. So just opening up and saying, hey, I, you know, I, I see you as being a wonderful person and I'm here for you without judgment, without shame, without condemnation, condemnation and that, I re that I'm a confidant. I will hold your confidence so that you don't have to worry about me. And that that's a big issue with teens too, is wondering who can you trust? That goes on throughout life, not just with teens, by the way. But in that tender space is trying to find a safe place. Who can I trust to tell this to where it doesn't become part of the grapevine and the gossip vine, right? So coming to that individual and saying, you know, one, I care about you. Two, um, I, I, I respect you. And three, this I am a safe person to talk to, right? And knowing that within yourself, you know, you don't want to keep a secret that you know will eventually harm someone. So then getting their permission, if necessary, say, hey, can we talk to this person? Can we go to somewhere to get help, right? 
So being being that way, but you know, definitely not putting it out there for more teens to know about it. Definitely seeking that next layer of authoritative help that could really come in and supervise and um, have a corrective action here. Right, and I think those are like that's really great advice because unfortunately, there's especially today when stories can be um, told like throughout social media. You've seen this like rise in like Me Too and like other movements that kind of are expressing the situations they've gone through and the ordeal. And it's so scary having your story out there. And some people are just like seeking to talk to like one or two people. And like you said, how can we really know if that person is trustworthy? Because trusting someone is so scary. Right. And and that's why often it's good to have someone in your age group. It really is. Because I, I think, you know, there is this sense of, you know, you understand me. But it is so important that you find that authoritative figure to speak to as well. And a lot of times there are so many um, help groups and uh, peer groups that are supervised by authorities that you that that a teen could get into where there are other teens that had like what like experiences so that they don't feel so vulnerable and feel like, oh, my gosh, if I open up and, and tell this part of the story that I don't have to worry that I'm telling it to somebody who may just think it's interesting gossip, right? And they don't understand how painful it is. So making sure that environment is safe is for sure a thing that needs to be done by the person who's been victimized. And if the person, and and if another person is coming to help that individual say, Hey, let's seek out some place where you can feel comfortable to talk and we can get this uh, authority oversight. Sometimes, you know, teachers, school counselors, there's help out there. Yeah, I completely agree. I think at school, especially, we have like a school counselor and it's really a great way to provide additional support and make sure like we as students are feeling supported in our like daily activities. Um, And when you're having these conversations, how do you think conflict is can be beneficial beneficial? And what do you think it kind of does to a person who's trying to improve their way of living too. I think conflict is really important when, if you want to help like expand your interests or expand your perspectives and grow as a leader and a person in general. Yes. Conflict and leadership skills are so important. It's never too soon to start developing them. In fact, I teach in all of my coaching sessions, you know, leaning into conflict, which means that we we don't shy away from it. We don't put our head in the sand. Of course, we don't go looking for conflict, but we don't have to because it's everywhere, right? We all have differing op- opinions. But again, to show up in your authentic voice is to say, this is how I feel, and it's okay if you feel differently. Now, of course, we're not talking... Um, it's okay if you feel differently about sexual harassment. We're not saying that um, because that's a totally different conversation that needs to be dealt with directly and you need to get other people involved. But if you're talking about, uh, maybe you have a difference of, of opinions about how to achieve a, a common goal. It's good to have everyone express themselves and digest all of that and be really vulnerable in that conversation say hey you know if you're a person in the past who's not good with patience and listening say in the past i've struggled with being patient and listening to ideas that i feel are so far-fetched that they would never work but i really want to be present for this conversation so if you catch me doing that it's okay to remind me that i really want to be present for this conversation because 
that opens um, the door for the other person to have grace when they listen to you and say, oh, you've already told me that you struggle in this area. So I understand and I'll have grace and I'll, and I'll correct you if I see it happening because I know you have a desire to hear me and for me to hear you. So that leaning into conflict is so very important. That's how we get deeper, more meaningful relationships. That's how we have more creative ideas, leaning in and taking all of that in. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think communication is so important, like you said, especially for like maybe relationships or younger couples who are still like addressing the idea of consent. I know in health class, they they really emphasize like being comfortable in every situation. And I think that communication is how you solve those issues. And going back to what you said about sexual harassment, how we tell our stories to people, um, Obviously, having someone who's trustworthy is so important, but sometimes when victims and survivors, they tell their stories, they're met with kind of scrutiny. And I think that goes back to misogyny. So how would you describe misogyny? Misogyny, typically when I hear that word, I think of this, for some reason, there's an individual who has some deeply seated negative opinions of women for whatever reason, usually has something to do with, you know, maybe some past trauma that they have experienced. But either way, it's detrimental to the victim and to the victimizer. Yeah. Yeah. I think that misogyny is also, it's kind of developed into this like new term and it's almost gained like a new momentum as time goes on and society progresses So how do you think the term misogyny has changed over time? And what does that term mean in our world today versus our world, say, five years ago? Yeah, I think what's happened now, I don't know that... I think it's now more out in the open. And we think, I think we have social media to thank for that, right? There are things that have been happening not just five years ago, you know, for centuries, right? And... and it wasn't so well known, you know, we didn't have all of this, the trans, uh, the transparency of it all. And we didn't have women that were willing to stand up for whatever reason. So I think as we develop as a country and as a people, right, we have more opportunities and women are finding their authentic voice as well, right? That they're more uh, forthcoming with things that have happened to them are currently happening to them. Whereas in the past, more of that was uh, sort of brushed under the under the rug or something you just, you know, as my grandmother would say, you take it to your grave. You don't talk about it because you don't want to lose your job or you don't want you know, anything to happen to you and your family. But as women are stepping up and, and becoming um, more mainstream as leaders, right, they're able to tell their story and they're also able to provide more protection. Right. Because once we take once we take the blinders off and we see things, I think that less people are likely to to uh, think they can get away with that kind of behavior. As before, you know, it seemed to be that people were getting away with it because no one was really coming out in the open and talking about it. Yeah, totally. And another thing about sexual harassment is that some people say that it has maybe less to do with sex than it is power and do you agree with that? I really do. I really do. This is really not, you know, because let's be honest, right? You don't have to, this, this seems the wrong way to engage in a consensual activities, right? This is more about feeling powerful over someone who you think you, 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 you want to dominate. And that 
if we really think about this, and this is not making an excuse for the victimizer, but this is really an individual that on some, some level is really experiencing some inner turmoil, right? that, that the only way that they can feel important or valuable is to cause is by demeaning someone else. So that's really someone that really, that the victimizer also is their own victim if that makes any sense. They're victimizing someone else, but they're also victimizing themselves, you know, by not going and getting and seeking the help or not even being aware of how much pain that they're in that's causing them to inflict this type of pain on someone else. Yeah, and I think that kind of brings up this idea about gender roles and gender equity, gender equality, and women empowerment. And I was curious... I know there's a lot of issues in our world today about gender inequality. And how would you tell someone, a listener, to um, diminish these stereotypes and push back against these roles? What I would say is this. You know, we we all are entitled to our own opinions. We're entitled to our own uh, identity. And in as much as if we value that about ourselves, our abilities to be who we want to be, to express ourselves the way we want to express ourselves without, you know, as long as we don't intend to cause harm to someone else, to have that same respect for another individual. It's not necessary for us to understand agree with or approve of another person's perspective on anything. What's necessary is for us to value ourselves, starts there, say, hey, I'm valuable. These are my opinions. And that valuing ourselves to pass that on and say, I, I value you and your right to your individualistic expression of love, life, role, gender, however you choose to do that, however you choose, that's your life. And the big lesson here for me, and this is the beautiful one, it makes me smile, is that Um, Variety definitely is the spice of life. We're not going to agree with everything somebody else does. Our opinions are to help frame in our lives, not to frame someone else's life. We get that wrong. Instead of looking at ourselves and saying, okay, this is an opinion that I hold. It's special to me. Now, how can I build my life and my journey around this? Now, how can I force you to build your life and your journey around it? Yeah, and I think you're a great example of a very empowered woman. So do you have any advice for maybe younger girls who kind of want to enter your field or use their voice for bigger and more impactful reasons? Oh, great question. You know, I I just finished um, putting together a free gift on self-esteem and self-confidence, which is available on my website. We'll talk about that. But if if I could reach every young woman in the world, every young girl in the world, I would say that your journey starting now, one of the best things, most profitable things that you could do for yourself is to develop your self-esteem and your self-confidence. Learn how to lean into conflict. Don't become the possum who, who lies and plays dead and just, you know, oh, yes, yes, yes to everything. Really develop your authentic voice by understanding and developing your self-esteem and your self-confidence and then taking that next step and leaning into conflict so that you can learn and become more creative and curious about the world. That would be 
put you miles and miles ahead as you walk through your life, through your education and into your careers and marriage and having children or wherever this journey takes you. Self-esteem, self-confidence and knowing how to master confrontation are three things that will be invaluable. Do you think there's a way for if your community around you is struggling with self-confidence, you're working with a group of people in either it's a workforce or um, just in your daily activities to help them develop confidence. Do you think that would be kind of the same thing or how would you like motivate a group of people in a team? Oh, that's a wonderful question. So first of all, the best way to teach something is to model it, right? There's this expression, I think Maya Angelou said it, um, that I heard people, people will uh, forget everything you say, but remember how you make them feel. Right. And so when we model self-confidence, right, people start we we walk and talk a certain way, we behave a certain way, and we react a certain way. And people sense that and they start to model that. So that's how to do it indirectly. And then directly there are tools that I talk about in my in the in the free gift offer that we can do that really show self-confidence is a is, is a term of um saying that I can, right? I have a belief that I can, right? And that comes from a lot of times from stepping out and leaning into conflict and realize, oh my gosh, I did that, I did that. And you give yourself um, credit for it and you express gratitude for each small step that you make along the pathway. And you teach your team members, your family, your friends to do the same thing, not to brush over those small accomplishments, right? Because they are important. That's what we're going to build a foundation on for self-confidence. We're not going to wait to accomplish the huge thing and say, oh, now I've made myself president of the, you know, a Fortune 500 company, now I have self-confidence. It doesn't work like that. We take credit for, and we give ourselves credit for and grace for the small accomplishments that we made. Even when we think it's not an accomplishment, showing up is a huge accomplishment. Acknowledge that. Give yourself grace for it. Be grateful for it. And watch your self-confidence grow and teach that to your team members and family and friends. Right. I think self-confidence is like the most important thing you can have, especially as a woman. And like you mentioned earlier, the media can be kind of damaging in terms of like representing relationships and it can kind of establish kind of like unhealthy boundaries between you and your partner because you think that's like a normal way to act. But do you also think that the media can be like kind of helpful for uplifting young women? I really do. I mean, you know, if you look behind the scenes, right, we see women doing so many powerful things and and that's encouraging. So we see women, you know, we, we see uh, you know, women just in every industry. So the media and I got to say, I love the media, but I realize that um, you take you, you take what's what's good to eat and what's good to grow on. And you take that and you, and you make that part of your tool chest. What's not you take it as sheer entertainment, meaning that this is a fantasy world. This is, you know, uh, I know when my kids were younger, there were all these shows and they were little, little kids disrespecting your parents. And it's funny on TV does not work in real life. I tell my kids all the time. That's for TV. Right. That just makes good comedy. And so we as adults, we as the viewer. Right. Of the media are responsible to say, hey, that makes for good TV, but that doesn't feel good in real life. That's not respectful in real life. And so that's how we can draw the line. Say that's not something, that's our responsibility to say, that's not something I want to bring into my world. But I do respect and I do uh, appreciate 
the women that are part of the movement who, who are doing things behind the scenes and, you know, running corporations and all of this. I, I appreciate that because they're paving the way for more of that to be done. Yeah. And I think a lot of women, like you were saying, have used their platforms on social media and have set a great example for the younger generation to continue using the media's power to create better and to create a good system for spreading the word and spreading important issues. And so what do you think your advice would be to younger girls who in creating healthier habits with social media and with the media in general and preventing a them like falling in line with stereotypes and falling into gender norms? Oh, first of all, the number one thing I would say with this it, about social media and the younger generation, remember not everything is for the public. Parts of your life are so precious that they only belong to you. They're not to be shared. And I know that we, we're in an age of, oh, put everything out there. No, ma'am, no, sir. That is not, that is inappropriate. You still are a whole individual. There is your public side, the things that you want to put out there and put in the universe and let everybody know about. That stuff lives out there for forever. So be very selective about the parts of your life you want to keep for just you and your circle. And then the things that you want to put out there for the whole world. Always be thinking, well, is this something that I, that is this something I would like the whole world to know about me? Because we're all, you're evolving who you are today. Some of those beliefs you'll take into your next season of life and some of them you won't, but you don't want to have to find all that, that on the social media forever. So really think about that as you, as you're doing your posts, definitely have a good time, you know, make fun memories, but remember that not all parts of your life belong on social media. I totally agree with that. And I think I see so many kind of younger girls, like there's this pressure to, maybe dress a certain way or act a certain way. And that's fine if you're comfortable with it, but it's sad to see that there's children not really being children anymore because, and it just results in them being sexualized so quickly. And unfortunately that's the problem we've always had in the media. And going back to what you said about conflict, do you have any tips for handling conflict constructively? Oh, I, Absolutely do. When it comes to handling conflict constructively, the number one thing you want to real, remember is that conflict is not, has not come to destroy you. It really hasn't. There's this expression, iron sharpens iron, which means that when you get into a challenging situation, what's supposed to happen here is these wonderful sparks of electricity go off and your brain starts thinking and you start revving up your energy and you become more creative. You become more communicative. You become a better listener, which means that you start to grow. Growth can sometimes be painful. So as we're learning how to how to express ourselves in conflict, and this is a lifelong journey, that we learn how to do that with grace. We learn how to do that without losing our temper and becoming the bully. We learn how to do that without becoming the possum and lying down and playing dead and let everybody roll over us just because we want to be the peacekeeper and we fear conflict. Instead, we say, you know what, this has come to strengthen me. It's come to grow me. It's come to make me stronger for my next season of greatness and in the world of everyday peace we call that our next level of greatness so it's come to prepare me for that so learning how to lean in with listen more than we talk 
learning how to be vulnerable and allow the other person to be vulnerable, learning how to forgive because realizing that the other person that's in this in this uh, conflict with us is also learning. They may not be learning at the same rate that we're learning, but isn't that okay? Isn't that part of our learning process too? So this patience and learning how to develop the art of listening, the art of communicating with vulnerability, the art of approaching every conflict with a sense of everybody wins when we enter into this discussion with the intention of everybody having a chance to get heard without judgment or shame or conflict or, 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 or in any type of uh, confrontation. Learning how to, to listen is so important. Yeah, I think that's really important, like you're saying, about making sure people have these valuable skills in life and is there a personal experience you have had that has really opened your eyes to all these valuable skills in life or that have you've really noticed um, this experience was more important or beneficial because you knew about how to handle conflict and how to handle these tools? Oh, my gosh. There is one very recent one. I don't know how much time we have, but as you all know, I run a large hospital pharmacy for a major hospital group. And just recently with the with the advent of the pandemic, uh, my team had conflict with the nursing environment because we were talking about how to get as many vaccines in um, administered as quickly as possible. Pharmacy wanted to do it one way. Nursing wanted to do it another way. And it was a it was a huge potential that could have stagnated the number of vaccines being given. We could have been in that situation arguing and negotiating forever. But because my team, I teach the same um, conflict resolution process to, they didn't view this as a war, tug of war with somebody having to win or somebody having to lose. Instead, they said, here, we have some information about this vaccine that maybe other departments nursing didn't have. Let's share that information and let's come together as a team and figure out how we can best utilize the very precious resource. And what we were able to do is come together, create a wonderful process that worked uh, we exceeded all of our goals. We won awards for the work that we did in the very beginning stages of the pandemic because our hospital was one of the first in the country to get the vaccine. And so uh, it was really an opportunity to utilize conflict resolution in a way that not only benefited the people on my staff, but also had far-reaching benefits for uh, the patient population as well. Wow. Thank you so much, Dr. James. It was Great talking to you, and you were so inspirational and so filled with wisdom. And for our viewers, make sure to pick up a copy of her book, Freedom is Your Birthright, and please make sure to visit her website at http www.drdravonjames.com. You've been listening to Express Yourself. Show your love for more segments by donating to the Be The Star You Are charity at www.btsya.org. And keep listening for more in segment three. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. 
Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. listening to express yourself on the voice america kids channel where teens talk and the world listens express yourself is produced by star style productions llc as an international outreach program of be the star you are charity for more information about our show visit expressyourselfteenradio.com now back to our star teens back to Express Yourself. I'm your host, Ruhani, and now Rose will be bringing us another edition of her segment, Bite Share. Hello, everyone. It's Rose Sarner back on the Express Yourself radio show. I'm so excited to be back yet again. However, this week, I will not be focusing entirely on issues surrounding food access and urban food policy because I wanted to take the time this week to discuss how I've been empowered and where that empowerment stems from. I think being a woman in the 21st century, I acknowledge how far women have come and how fortunate I am to live in a world where, as a woman, I am respected, taken seriously, and a role model. However, just during the first few months of my history course this year, titled United States History, I've learned about a variety of instances where women have had to sacrifice their lives, families, and reputation for the respect I have today. Wow. And yeah, learning about history can be so eye-opening because you kind of learn about these like stages of life where you can't even imagine being in them. So do you have any specific examples of how women had to sacrifice? Yes. Our first couple weeks of school, we dove into the 1700s where not only did women not have the right to vote, but they were denied citizenship, independence, and a place in society. They were denied equality, liberty, and Medicare, and they were not granted freedom and were considered a man's property. And men feared that if women gained this independence, then it would diminish the power a man had in society. So if a woman became independent, was the man then going to be seen as dependent was kind of what they were thinking. And men feared the idea of not having absolute power, which I kind of found ironic because they feared the idea of being in the place a woman was during this time. Right. And unfortunately, you can see like remnants of that, like sort of ideology even today. So, but how would you describe how society was kind of organized before? Well, I think society was organized in a misogynistic way. Even if its individual members didn't see themselves as woman haters, they were seeing They were because these ideologies were ingrained in society and people did not know what to think otherwise. When you're taught a certain thing, it's really difficult to break away from that stereotype and that what's ingrained in your world. And as the writer and activist Audrey Lorde wrote in 1980, there's a piece of the oppressor which is planted deep within us, which I think is a really empowering quote and powerful quote. It really is. And I feel like this all contributed to that to that social 
and equity, as you've been seeing. And do you have any specific examples of that? Yes, um, it can be seen in the gender wage gap in the United States today. Um, the difficulties women have in finding adequate Medicare and also the career destroying um, prerogatives of men. And also in like our guest was discussing today, Dr. Drayvon James, she was discussing sexual harassment, which is such a heavy topic. And it can create large gaps in gender today and inequity because women are just diminished in society and they're almost being blamed for what has happened to them when in reality it's not their fault. It's their, they're the victims and we need to be there to support them. Yeah, exactly. And I was talking about like victim blaming earlier, how society is so quick to kind of interrogate the woman on what might have instigated the like sexual harassment as if it's her fault. And I think you can even see examples of this in politics because you see so many of these like people in power, like people who are supposed to be in charge and protecting us who've done they done these acts. And um, what do you think about misogyny in politics? Definitely. In our world today, um, a CNN headline even wrote in 2018 that unfortunately violent misogyny is nothing new in politics. Until a year ago or two, I never even realized that violent misogyny existed. And I never knew individuals disliked to sex people enough to introduce violence against them, which I think is really just not okay and just a horrible thing that's happening in our world today. And historians even say, I've even been taught this in history class, that we learn about history so it's not repeated. And after all, the progress that trailblazing women have made in the past on creating a more equal world for women Prejustice against women has gotten even worse and to the point where, according to The Guardian, women's self-harm is being fueled by misogyny. Yeah, and I feel like reading about these topics is so important because that's where we get our knowledge from. I mean, obviously we have perspectives of our own because we're women, but have you read any articles recently that might have helped you open your eyes? Yes, the one I just mentioned in that quote from The Guardian, it made me start to think about the role of the media in our world today, which we both touched on earlier. Um, after all, the media is controlling everything, and it's extremely powerful. And I think the media's role in a democracy is to bring mass awareness on political, social, and economic issues. And the media, it acts as a watchdog, and their role is to expose the government individuals and organizations when they're abusing and taking advantage of their power and affecting the people's power. And even though the media is a neg they have so many negative it has a lot of negatives to it, on the other hand, it can play a significant role in sensitizing societal issues, just like how they have done for such a long time with women's rights and just bringing up these conversations that people find difficult to have, the media can kind of portray it in a light that starts to bring people together and bring people to have these difficult conversations. Yeah, like you kind of saw that with, you know, movements like I was mentioning, like Me Too, it kind of 
brought these survivors together to give themselves a platform and a voice. And it really reopened these like difficult yet necessary topics. And do you think that social media helps as much as it can, you know, might, it can also like negatively affect girls as we've seen, we're talking about self-confidence and how maybe like unrealistic body standards are that thing. But do you think the media is more helpful or is it more um, negative? I think that's a difficult conversation, but I think social media, it's especially allowed me and a bunch of other individuals to share their stories and it's provided a space for connection, empowerment. And I think it's also with this comes the negatives like it always has. It's been really difficult for people to maintain an identity and self-understanding so I don't know if I would classify the media as just one positive or negative. I think with saying it's positive comes negatives. And with saying there are negatives in the media comes with positive outcomes. I totally agree with you. And when we are using social media, how do we kind of like prevent people, prevent like, how do we prevent ourselves from falling into like that crazy cycle of unhealthy habits and how do we like prevent ourselves from falling in line with these stereotypes? Well, I think the answer is not just to delete all forms of social media or stay away from the press because, as I mentioned, there are many benefits to the media. And the media is a source of news and a way to inform people of what's happening in our world. But I think the most important thing is simply to be educated and know the power the media holds and know how the media uses a lot of tools to kind of trick people into thinking one way or another. And I also find it extremely valuable and important to make sure you are diversifying your social media pages, your media sources, where you get your media, and where you get your information. And by collecting a variety of perspectives, you're able to acknowledge a variety of opinions and ensure that you are not attached to one way of thinking. Yeah, that is so insightful. And how are some ways that you've been trying to do that for yourself on social media? I think following um, different accounts that I haven't, I don't necessarily like share an interest for, but they are posting about really important topics is one way I've been trying to do that and just following different accounts. Um, I really like to look at what my friends are, who my friends are following and what my family is following and see if I can follow some of their interests and then we can talk about it and use media as a way to connect. Right. And you must always look for the truth. Like you have to do your homework before speaking out on some topics and kind of spreading information. And unfortunately, we are out of time for today's show. As always, we express our gratitude to Star Stop Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment Crew, especially our audio engineer, Josh. Thanks to our guests from across the world, and a huge thank you to our listeners for making us a top-rated program. For more information about the Be the Star You Are charity, visit www.bethestarur.org. Find us on Instagram at Express Yourself Radio, and make sure you always respect one another Make firm, healthy boundaries and lean into conflicts. Always remember to speak up, speak out, and express yourself. 
Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars to shine.